Hey guys, and welcome back to I've Heard It Both Ways with Nikolai and Marissa. And today we are discussing chapter four of The Magician's Nephew, The Bell, and The Hammer. <laughs> Dropping the hammer. <laughs> Really quick before we start, I just wanted to tell you guys about our newer store that we opened up called Iron and Iron. You can find us on Etsy at ironedandironstore.etsy.com. It is a Christian lifestyle brand, and we're making everything from uh, you know hats to cups to clothing. Everything and anything is on that page, and you can think of it. We can get it. Yes, and there's actually a lot to come. Um, we've got a lot of designs in the making. Some stuff coming out uh, that's new, so pretty excited, especially for fall, um, which doesn't happen very often in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty pumped about that. If you are a listener, uh, you can type in both ways. B O. That's what you be doing, right? <laughs> if you're hearing this, um, you can type in both ways. B O T H W A Y S, all caps. That is no cap. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Why did you create this thing? Right, right. You're welcome. <laughs> so both ways at checkout for 10% off of your order. I'm a little impressed. You like that? Yeah. You like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so help us uh, support what we've got going. So it's a good thing. Um, so now that we've done that, are you ready for your random fact? Oh, no. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. So here's your random fact of the day. Did you know that some of Lewis's favorite books when he was a child was written by Beatrix Potter? What? Yep. <laughs> and I'm sure that you probably, like, your ears parked up when you heard Potter. And Beatrix. Harry Potter. Beatrix. Right? So we have Beatrix Lestrange, Harry Potter. It's kind of a Bellatrix. cool reference. Bellatrix Lestrange. Sorry, not Beatrix. It's it fine. Right. It's fine. <laughs> she was psycho anyways. Close enough. By the way, if anybody out there, his name is Beatrix or Bellatrix, please let us know. Um, <laughs> cool name. But, so you may not necessarily know Beatrix Potter um, by her name, but you do know her book. Really? Yes, The Tale of Peter Rabbit. <gasps> yep. So, cool Lewis. Cool cool book. Right? She's a beast. And it's actually a series. I don't okay. know if you knew that or not. There's Did a whole not? series. Um, but Lewis and his brother love the idea of talking animals. Okay. Um, kind of cool that he worked that into the Narnia series. And as children, um, him and his brother actually created an entire imaginary, imaginary world, um, called Boxen, B-O-X-E-N. And in this world, animals were in charge. Interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of a cool, like, he was really developing Narnia before he knew he was developing Narnia. I love that. Yeah. So, uh, thank you, Beatrix, even though you are not with us anymore, for oh. inspiring old Clive Staples to form this crazy world. <laughs> I can't remember that name. Clive Staples. <laughs> Clive Staples. Well. So, that is our random fact in the day. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that random fact? Um, I think that was great. Um, I really wanted to say awesome, but... Can't say that anymore. If you need to know why, please watch our Thrive Community Churches. <laughs> wow, that was left field. <laughs> yeah, it just hit me. I'm it was sorry. left field. Ba- um, let's give them some context. Yeah, that's bad. Okay, so basically, um, <laughs> our previous worship leader now, uh, Daniel, um, they just moved, and you know we're gonna miss them like crazy. But his big thing that he had kind of hit home recently with us was the word awesome. Mm. And how sometimes we overuse the word mm-hmm. in just a matter of context. And it's important to remember what is awesome. Like a baby taking its first first breath is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. You know, seeing a giant mountain range is awesome. The fact that they got your drink right at Starbucks is not necessarily awesome, mm-hmm. although it is a good thing. Appropriately using the word. Yeah. Yeah. In so, its context. Yeah. Speaking of awesome. Last time <laughs> on what episode three. Last time. Yes. Um, so Diggory and Polly were in the world between worlds. Wood between worlds. Sorry, wood between worlds, not world between worlds. That's I know different. it makes you want to say it though. Um, wood between worlds. And we were just calling it the in between last episode, but it's really the, the same. Upside down, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's totally the upside down. <laughs> um can't wait till Vecna shows up. Well, actually, there kind of is a Vecna it in the story. Happen. 
Uh, and she crazy. Okay, so world between wood between worlds. <laughs> um, and after leaving a mark, so they knew which pool was theirs to go home. They did decide. They decided to go exploring. Explore. They were going to explore. They're going to explore a little bit. And Diggory and Polly decide, decided to go into another world. A new pond. Yep. <laughs> Way to really get thrown in the river, if you pond will. Pond between ponds. Yes. <laughs> Do you think they pondered which one to go in? I'm sure they did. They didn't at all, though. They really like just went for it. <laughs> oh, goodness. Y'all, it's been a day. Okay. It's been a really long day. All right. Well. So, um... Do you want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, let's see what I have here. Yes, I do. I do have something. Um, so when they arrived, we know the the journey feels like you're underwater or not. Mm-hmm. You're wet, but you're not. So I'm sure they experienced that again going into the new world. Um, but when they were arrived, Diggory noticed it was a weirdly lit world. Um, it had a dull red light, which made everything, like, anything around them look red. Um, which kind of led me to think, like, this is obviously a very dark place. Like, it's hinting towards evil, I guess you could say. Um, because of that ominous look to the Mm -hmm. world. I'm sure that was intimidating and... Like, what did they get themselves into? <laughs> right, right. It's kind of funny that that was your first uh, thing that you marked, because that's the first thing that I marked, too. Yeah. Because, c- like, what you were talking about, like, the red, like, it's like there's no life here. It's just there. There is no life, yeah. And they were saying, like, there was light, but it wasn't, like, sunlight. Um, did you notice the sky? Yes. So it said it was blue and almost black. Mm, yeah. And, like, everything was made of stone, and it was super old. Yeah, and the buildings had that red hue Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. it. And I I thought it was interesting, too, where it it explicitly says the place had a dead, cold, empty silence. And have you ever been in such a place that it's so silent it's eerie? Yes. And that, that, to me, is what came to mind. Where have you been that was like that? So, Pastor Pete, our pastor at our church that we go to, Thrive, um, we have a group that we go to on Thursday nights. And he spoke about how there is not one pastor that goes into... No, I'm sorry. Was it Pastor Pete or was it... It was Pastor Pete. I think. You may have to edit this out. We won't. No, I'm just thinking, which, who which thing was are you it? Thinking it of? was a thing where, um, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but they said that, um, <clears throat> there is no pastor that doesn't go into a church at night that is creepy. It was the pastor oh, oh. from Fusion Night. Yeah, yeah, it was on so Fusion there was Night. A, so there was a pastor at Fusion Night. Um, and just, just to give you guys some context, Fusion Night is a thing that we do locally here in Volusia County, specifically in the Port Orange area. And, um, it is basically all the youth groups in the church yeah, or all the different churches get together and have a night together. So that's what she's yeah. referring so to. So the pastor there, um, he was explaining just some crazy things that happened to him in churches, but he said, there's no pastor that can tell you that they haven't got creeped out in a church. And I honestly have had this same experience, like being in a church at night, we had shut-ins in our church with mm-hmm. the youth and you'd stay the night there. Yeah. And, that is probably the most creepiest place to be mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but it is creepy. <laughs> we were we were doing something similar like that one time at Parkview. I love that. We should and do it. we we were doing a lock in. Mm-hmm. That's what we called it. Not a shut in. Oh, we call it the same, lock in. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um. So our youth room was actually in the basement mm. of the church. So we were playing manhunt. I love manhunt. And I decided. That I was going to be a smart aleck, basically. So I went up to the sanctuary and I opened up the grand piano really, really quietly. And I started, this is probably sacrilegious, but I started playing the exorcist thing. (laughs) And then people ran up there trying to find me and poof, I was gone. (laughs) And they were freaking out because what had been up here playing the piano? Mm -hmm. Like You were that good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, my, my creepy moment, though, was actually, I grew up in Osceola Forest. 
um, for those of you who don't know. And there were times to where we'd be out in the woods and it was completely silent. Mm. And it was both like peaceful, but also creepy. Yeah. You know? Um, One of my favorite things so far, like in the very beginning of the chapter, where Diggory's like... It's very funny weather here. I wonder if we're, we've arrived just in time for a thunderstorm or an eclipse. He's thinking, like, <laughs> practicality. And she's like, Polly's like, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's like... Um, Optimistic. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, what's exciting about to happen? And she's like, nope. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> she's Let's like, get out of here. She's like, I was watching a scary movie. 100%. Nope. Let's not do that. Um, yeah. So, like, Diggory still wants to explore... You notice that? But, like, Polly's ready to jet. Like, she's done. Right. Um, And I thought that was cool. Like, a continuation. Like, there was some serious continuity there of the previous episode where we talked about the whole safety versus exploration thing. Okay. Yeah. I Um, see that. I mean, they kind of kept along those same themes to where, like, Diggory, honestly, maybe a little foolishly at this point, is like, this could be exciting. And she's like... Nope, we need to go. <laughs> this is not great. This is not right. We chose the wrong pond. <laughs> um, hmm. Now, I, I did think it was cool uh, and a little demanding of Diggory whenever he told Polly what to do with the rings. And he said, green ring goes in the right, yellow goes in the left. And the reason they did that was because there's an R in green and there's two L's in left. Or two L's in yellow, meaning left. Right. No, left. You're <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Um, but, like, on one hand, I'm surprised she didn't, like, fire off on him after well, that, you know? She probably was a little freaked out. <laughs> yeah. But th- they really kind of take us on a journey with this whole thing. So, actually, I had something to say about that. Yeah. Um. Well, let me say this first, because I thought the imagery here was really interesting in the comparison. So, I don't remember who compared it. It may have been Diggory, or it may just be been the narrator. But um, they said they compared the wood between worlds um, to this place, meaning that the wood between worlds was rich and warm and full of life, and you could hear the trees growing, and... This place was dead and cold and empty, mm-hmm. and you couldn't imagine anything growing here. I love that Im- imagery, mm-hmm. and it kind of set the tone for the chapter because they're very um, descriptive about everything they see in this chapter. It's got a lot of descriptive wording. Um, example being that they go down a shadowy hall and mm-hmm. a tired-looking night. I love that line. Right. <laughs> that is so cool to me. That was cool. I just love the imagery that they've set up for this area. I just kind of put something together that I hadn't really heard whenever I read it Mm. was you said that nothing grows here and they compared it to the in-between. Yes. And in the in-between life exists so much that they could feel it, even though it it didn't say it was growing. They could just feel it. But they could feel life. And this is the opposite. Complete opposite. And it's almost like, it's Not a, to start drawing these lines immediately, but like the whole idea. It's in, foreshadowing. In yeah. <laughs> and the whole idea in like, you know, Christianity is mm-hmm. the idea of heaven and, yeah. and hell. Yeah. Right. And I, I feel like our, our views get a little contorted here where people think hell, they think fire and brimstone and right. torment. But really heaven is being, heaven is being with God. Hell is being removed from God. And it's almost like they're, he's not drawing a hard and fast line between the two, Mm -mm. but there's some similarities to where like, they're both of otherworldly. Yes. And they're extremes of each other. Right. Um, I would agree. And like what you were talking about, the the imagery that they were pointing out was super cool. And I loved how he said this place had been deserted for hundreds or thousands of years. He has no concept of time. <laughs> like, but it could be a hundred, it could be a thousand. That also like, might have been the narrator adding some facts. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, it, it's kind of like, you have to remember these are kids. Mm-hmm. Like, we, sometimes we like to read this as an adult, but mm-hmm. really, it's, it's, a, it's a kid. So, it's a viewpoint, yeah. You know, at, at this point, um, 
I actually don't remember how old they're supposed to be in the story. I, I forget now. I don't remember. But, you know, they're they're both, I think, less than 15. Absolutely, yeah. So that's all they have to draw upon is 15 years of experience, which is not saying you can't experience things, but... No, but you're still looking at things through a childlike um, right. vision. Like... Right. And it's it's black or white with, right. with that mentality. Um, did you find it interesting, especially whenever they were talking about the descriptions, the fact that we were going from courtroom or courtyard to rooms, to courtyard to rooms, to courtyard mm. to rooms. I didn't know, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, it was like this consistent, like he even said, it repeats. Like, And then they stopped and they talked about these this random courtyard and like how it looked like it was falling apart. Right. And it really had nothing to serve the story, yet it kind of drew it, an image in your mind. Right. Um, Set the tone. But eventually, they come to a room. Right. And this is, this is where the magic happens, so to speak. So they come to a room, and it says there's hundreds of people in the room seated, and they all look like they were waxworks. Did you notice that? Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, they were waxworks, and they were robed in um, beautiful clothing with mm-hmm. crowns on their head, mm-hmm. frozen in time. And did you notice the colors? Yeah, all the beautiful colors, like royal Colors. Yeah. Right. And it, you have to wonder, like, I mean, I don't know if this is true in their realm, but like on Earth to be able to get these blues and these purples in, in royalty, so to speak, only the rich could afford them. Yeah, it was very rich. So that shows you that we're not we're not looking at peasants here. Well, it even said that in when they came up to the room, the huge doors that they opened to get in this room were maybe made of gold from mm-hmm. their perspective. So mm-hmm. obviously this is a very rich community at the time that they existed. But something stuck out to me. <laughs> Diggory thought instantly that they were nice people. Why? Like he got that inkling of, of thought, ooh, right? Ooh. Why? Why did that hit him? That they were just automatically nice people to him? Was that a planted feeling? Was that just an honest opinion? So, can I nerd out for a second? Please. Okay. So, in case you guys didn't realize this, I'm a chiropractor. And chiropractors um, are, are kind of... Uh, anatomical specialists, if you will. So our our job is to know the human body inside mm-hmm. and out. And a lot of people think that we only do spine, and we actually are trained to treat the entire body. Right. It's significantly different than what average culture believes. Um, and in that, we have to learn all of the nerves. Well, the nerves are basically a highway of information that controls certain things. Within those nerves, you have a group of 12 pairs of nerves and that's called the cranial nerves Mm -hmm. and they they come out of different parts of the brain but they primarily serve the functions of the head and the neck and everything in between right right there's a couple of differences um that go further but broadly speaking um so there is a nerve called facial nerve so the facial nerves job is to do muscles of facial expression. So Mm -hmm. to be able to smile, to be able to frown, any of those things is kind of the job of facial nerve. So you have the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. You've heard those before. Mm -hmm. So sympathetic, fight or flight. Right. Right. Parasympathetic, I always think feed and breed. Right. That's, That's the job. Of those nerves, you have four nerves. Right that are parasympathetic cranial nerve three, seven, nine, and 10. Those nerves need to be able to respond to parasympathetic stimulus, to be able to eat your food, to be able to, uh, you know, enjoy each other's company, so to speak. Um, right. uh, grouping safety, that sort of thing. So I say all that to say this, have you ever walked into a room to where everybody in the room looked furious or angry yes you instantly (laughs) feel it when you walk in the room right so like you you don't feel a feeling of safety right you feel if a a feeling an emotion of i need to be on my guard and i need to be ready Mm -hmm. because something's going down versus you walk in a room 
and everybody's laughing. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, exactly. You can't help. Excuse me. You can't help but walk in that room and feel safe. Correct. And that's what's really interesting here because they walk into a room Mm -hmm. and it says everyone had happy faces. Right. But the deeper that they went, um, the stronger and crueler the faces got. Yes. So it's it's really interesting because they walk in and they're immediately, they feel like it's magnificent and and it's amazing and welcoming. And like so cool. And the farther they get, the more intense it gets. And they cruelly, they look cruel, and then they end up acting like, I wrote this down, less happy, and then they almost look suffer suffering, like they've um, experienced dreadful things. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, you go from cruel to unhappy and, like, to dreadful, like you've just been through it. Yeah, it's almost what like... What causes that? Like... You just want to go up and be like, dude, what happened? Also, I wonder, too... <laughs> Is this a perception thing? Is everybody's faces this way and they're just slowly realizing it? Or is it slowly getting to that point because they're getting closer to an evil presence? Well, I, you know, like last episode, how you had like a whole spin and a whole theory. Yes. I have a spin in theory please, for you. Please, please, remind me. Because I, I like, I like what you just said. Like, is it a perception thing or is it reality? Mm-hmm. Guys, there is a movie that came out this year. It's currently 2023. And there is a movie that came out that we watched with a group of friends called Nefarious. And Nefarious is about this guy who's on death row. And he is essentially possessed by this demon. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and the so whole, it's wild. And the whole movie is this atheist um, uh, psychiatrist who has to evaluate him to see if he's actually crazy or if he does, in fact, deserve the death death penalty um and the farther that he talks to him like he's interviewing this demon basically and it's really interesting it's almost like c.s lewis screw tape letters it's a very Ooh, similar concept I, okay I yeah so all that to say this in the movie um he asks him how do you possess somebody and he says it's a series hmm. of yeses they don't just say, walk up and say, can I possess you? Like, they slowly manipulate you over time. Over until, generations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even over generations, right. he even talks about that. So, the way that I read this scene is that we, you know, Diggory and Polly walk into the room and everybody seems happier. But the farther they go, the more that they've been through these dreadful things. Is it describing the downward spiral of sin? Ugh. So, like, on the outside looking in, it looks like everybody's having a good time. But the farther you they go, rich, the, more, happy, the yeah. more malevolent it becomes. Ugh. It looks like all these riches and everybody's having a good time. I love time. that point of view. But in the heart of it, it's cold and it's dead. Yes. I think that you are onto something. That is uh, That hit me whenever I read it. Yeah. You know? I um, did not see that in the beginning, but I feel like that is something definitely to be mindful of i feel like that could be in the right direction Hmm. now i I have a question for you actually i want to see your perspective on something hit me (laughs) (laughs) so unless you had something more with that no because i can come back to it okay go ahead so they finally see this woman yeah and i wonder if that's the point like the peak well, Eagle. kind of, kind of. Because I don't know what I'm reading right now, so you may know things I don't. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do know things that you don't. Um, and, and her story is, is uh, deep. But I can't wait. they see this woman, and it's interesting on perception, because Diggory says that this woman is tall and beautiful. Mm. Like, it even talks about, like, years later, if you were to ask him again, he would still say she was the most beautiful creature he had ever saw. Ooh. Side note to that. Um, I'm saying ooh like I hadn't read it. <laughs> the, the enemy for us as Christians, um, Lucifer, if you will. Right. Was supposed to be the most beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's an attractive being. Right. Of and, course. And and that's a biblical thing. I'm I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just no, saying but that's he's, as he's, as a creation he was an angel. <laughs> and I have to wonder if there's some some call outs to that in this in this regard. I don't doubt it. 
But it says that this woman was tall and beautiful. Polly couldn't see anything beautiful about her, though. Like, she didn't understand why he thought she was so beautiful. And years Mm -hmm. later, Diggory would swear that she was still the most beautiful he had ever seen. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, why do you think Diggory thought she was beautiful, but not Polly? I think she was aware of the evilness way before Diggory was. I think Mm -hmm. her eyes were more open. She knew deep down that this place was not good. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, let's explore. Right. So I feel like maybe he was the, I don't know, the driving force of why they stayed there and she didn't want to stay there. And she could see everything that he could. Maybe she was more, what's the word? Um, I can't think of the word. I'm not sure where you're going with it. There's a word. There's a word. Can you describe the word? Um, like when you're like more aware of something more perceptive, I guess perceptive is a word. It wasn't the one I was thinking. Okay. But maybe she was more perceptive of evil. Okay. I don't know if she's been through things in her life that gave her that perception, but Diggory had a little bit of a blinder on. I think he was excited. Mm. She honestly probably didn't want to go in there anyways. And Mm. so she wasn't excited at all, but Diggory had the excitement. He didn't want to go back to his uncle. So he is just full force going into this thing with a more positive outlook than she is. I have to wonder too, if it's the fact that men, and I can say this cause I are a man. Okay. But <laughs> I, I have to, I, I know I did that on purpose, <laughs> but I have to wonder men are very uh, visually stimulated. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say women don't get that as well. I'm not saying that at all, but um, like if a woman, I'm sorry to burst any of your Hallmark movie bubbles out there, guys. And I'm not making a blanket statement for all of humanity, but this is how men think. Okay. <laughs> so you got to get over it. But whenever a guy sees a woman, his mm-hmm. first thought is not what is her personality. Right. His first thought is. More physical. Is she beautiful? Yes or no. Right. Absolutely. And that's, that's or, or more so, is that something I'm attracted to? Exactly. Not you, everybody's attracted to the same thing. Yes. And you, you can see, um, I thoroughly think that you can see beauty without being attracted. Correct. Like that, that is two separate and distinct I things. Agree. But men usually look at physical first and then get to know the person. Yes. Right. It's, it's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And women see a personality sometimes. Now we do see a physical Sure. Attraction, but sure. we still, the personality can outweigh that so quick. Right, right. Well, and honestly, there's some merit to that because, yeah. like, as the person gets old, um, things that defied gravity are not always going to defy gravity. You know what I mean? So th- there is that definitely some merit to that. Like, you cannot just marry for looks. Um, but it is important that you're attracted to the one because you're stuck with them for life Correct. in a good way. Yeah. Um, but I, I do have to wonder if that's part of why he was so accepting of what was happening because he bu- viewed her as beautiful. He didn't say he was attracted to her, but she is like the most beautiful. Yeah, thing. I could see that perspective. And Definitely. she's also unique. Yeah, I mean, she's ethereal, like something different. Yeah. Never experienced before. It's, it's almost taboo, <clears throat> right. you know? And clothed in these otherworldly robes and crowns and jewels and right right interesting mm-hmm. and enigma. <laughs> um i guess we can go into the next part it's kind of toward the end i guess but um they notice that there's this area with a golden bell and hammer yeah and a lettering in an unknown language well you know, to me, when you get further into the room, of course, it gets more evil. So, what might ran through my mind is this lettering had a ability to present itself in a language that they could understand so they would enact whatever this wanted them to do. Does that make sense? I said that in a weird way. No, I, I see what you're saying. So like the, because it's, 
I, I was kind of processing this too, actually. Yeah. Um, we're, we were actually on the exact same page. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I'm trying to figure this out on, is this an effect of the magic within the realm? Right. Or is this the spell that's on doing this? On, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, it, and it doesn't say that they kept going. It, it actually says they went back hmm. after they saw this woman. They went back at the square pillar. It was definitely a pool. Yeah, and, and it was interesting to me that it said specifically a square pillar. And I don't I don't know why that's jumping out to me, but the idea of four sides, I feel like, is, is important somehow. Possibly. Um, and I could <clears throat> be reading into that. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting because they, they see this lettering, and at first they couldn't understand it, and then all of a sudden they could. Right. Um, and and Diggory does say that this is an enchanted place whenever he walks in and sees all the people. I think he's enchanted. Like, yeah. I wrote this down. I said, evil presents itself in many ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that the place or the world was affecting Diggory different than it was affecting Polly. And because Polly compared him to his uncle. Like yeah. she was so apparent. Yeah. She was so aware of the fact that Diggory was out of his mind mm-hmm. in um, just whatever he was dealing with that she's like, you were acting like your uncle. You're crazy. Like, what, I mean, what is going on? Shots fired. No, know? but it's like, she's like, what is, am I in a different place than you are? Like, right. where are your, where's your mind at? So that makes me think that I really feel like the evilness of the place or whatever existed there was affecting Diggory on a spiritual level. Specifically him. Specifically yeah. him because he was weak. For whatever was going on, they, right. they they knew he had the ability to, to help them, whatever who whoever they are. I um I I think we should, if you don't mind, I want to read what the enchantment said, yeah, just so we're all on the same page. So you have it written down. Yeah, I have it. But if you want to read it, you can. I can read well. it. Okay. Um. So on the bell, it says, "Make your choice, adventurous stranger. Strike the bell." And bide the danger. Or wonder till it drives you mad. What would have followed if you had? And I think you're right. Like, Diggory is enchanted. And he makes the argument to Polly that I don't want to go back and always think for the rest of my life. What if? What if? And he he gets so stuck on the what if. Um. But my first thought after this, and I, I do think that you're right. I think that he is specifically enchanted. If he would have never read that enchantment, would he still have the desire to ring the bell? Hmm. The reason I say that is I once again have a connection. The Garden of Eden. <laughs> so... I, I feel like this is kind of a call out to that in regards to um, my, my view on the Garden of Eden really quickly is that God made earth. God had the heavenly realm. Eden was such in a way that the two collided in a good way and they crossed almost like a Venn diagram. So it was the place that heaven and earth were together and God was with man. Okay. And, you know, essentially they end up eating of this tree, the fruit of this tree, which fun fact on that, it's often portrayed as an apple, but you will not find the word apple in any translation, including the original. It's actually the word peri. And excuse me if I'm butchering that, but it's peri. And that refers to the fruit. So we can't actually say it was an apple. Little fun fact. So everybody out there Probably that, to make it relatable. Maybe. And everybody out there that has the Apple theory with the brand Apple. Um you <laughs> guys you might you might want to read into that. I'm not saying it couldn't be a thing, but it's not as gospel as you think it is. Anyways, um so I have to wonder if they're they're making a call out to the Garden of Eden and the tree and eating of the tree. Mm-hmm. Um the whole idea of like we have and I'm not saying this place is the same as Eden. Uh, I'm more of saying like we have something of desire. Right. And that was kind of truly the sin there was giving into the desire and the self-fulfillment. 
Um, and honestly, uh, there's different views on the whole Adam and Eve thing, but you know, a lot of people like to blame Eve. Right. Um, but in all reality, Adam was supposed to be a leader. Right. And he also stood by. Where, <laughs> where was he whenever she was eating? He sat right there and he let it happen. So the fact that he didn't step up <laughs> is, is really a big problem as well. Um, so I have to wonder if this is kind of a connection between the two. And then if you notice, and, and uh, one more thing and then I'll shut up, I promise. <laughs> but you were talking about she was saying he sounded like his uncle. Right. And they started bickering back and forth. As soon as they read this out loud, there was immediate division. Mm. Where they were like, maybe they disagreed on one or two things before. As soon as they said this, immediate. Like she was ready to leave him. Right. So... I have a really small paragraph that I want to read from the book because I feel like it has to do with what you just said. And I want the context. So after the bell, like the paragraph on the, not the paragraph, the little thing on the bell, Mm -hmm. the wording, this is what they say. No fear, said Polly. We don't want any danger. Oh, but don't you see it's no good, said Dickory. We can't get out of it now. We shall always be wondering what else would have happened if we had struck the bell. I'm not going home to be driven mad by always thinking of that. No fear. Don't be so silly, said Polly, as if anyone would. What does it matter what would have happened? I expect anyone who's come as far as this is bound to go on wondering till it sends him dotty. That's the magic of it, you see. I can feel it beginning to work on me already. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, said Polly crossly and i don't believe you do either you're just putting it on interesting that just so while you were saying all that i was thinking that was the end of the paragraph by the way but while you were saying all that i'm like man he is literally just putting it on like he's putting on the fact that all this magic is like he's letting it affect him well i i read putting it on as in faking it I, I could see that viewpoint too, but I'm just thinking as far as like your version of the Adam, sure. like Adam and Eve, like she's saying like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Like, yeah, like snap out of it. Right. Snap out of this. Like it's affecting you. You need right. to get it together. <laughs> I just thought that paragraph was really crazy is, comparative to your, what your point of view yeah, is. Yeah. 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 And that, that kind of backs up a little bit, I think for sure. Um, the, the whole connection there. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Um, and he kind of like accepts the fact that he's being enchanted. He knows he's being enchanted. Like he, and he's okay he, with he's it. He's okay with it. Yeah. Which it could be part of the enchantment. But sure. I think, I mean, after they hit, of course, they decide to hit the bell. That is a um, decision that he makes. He also grabs Polly. Yeah. He's like, like he, lost it. He he gets very <laughs> violent in this in this moment, too. And, and he... That's not something that you easily let go of. Nope. You know, if, if you have a, a, a tussle with somebody, you don't just forget. And it straight up says that he grabs Polly so that she couldn't put on the ring and then he hit the bell. You know? Yeah. Um, this part is really cool to me because if you guys listened to the last episode, we talked about the importance of music in Narnia Mm -hmm. and how like music is really the, the bedrock, the foundation, if you will. And, and to bring this back uh, to a biblical perspective, when it talks about in Genesis, um, whenever God is, is bringing these things to life, uh, he specifically talks about um, speaking these things in like Mm -hmm. creating all the stuff and, the whole idea of the breath and the voice of God mm-hmm. developing nature as we know it and humanity as we know it. Well, even better than what we know it, but you know what I mean? Um, so the, the whole idea of music in Narnia is of such importance. Whenever they tap the bell, there's this note. <laughs> it's a singular note yeah. and it gets louder and louder. Sweet and la- Yeah. Did you notice too? It says sweet and horrible. Yeah. 
like in in context people especially in modern english don't necessarily think of something that can be sweet and horrible yeah you know um too good of a, a too too much of a good thing well and if you think about like or you think it's sweet but really it's bad like it's masked i mean the horrible uh horrible excuse me um I just looked it up quick for Oxford Dictionary, just out of curiosity, and it says, um, causing or likely to cause horror, shocking, or very unpleasant. So something can be sweet, but also very unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets louder and louder, and then eventually it says it's mixed with a disastrous sound, and everything comes plummeting down. Yeah. Like, it's like it cannot be contained any longer. And imagine, like, a sound so loud that you just want to end. Yeah. That's crazy. And then it says the noise stopped and everything became quiet. And then Polly says, there, I hope you're satisfied now. Diggory then says, well, it's all over with now. Yeah, and right before that, they weren't sure that... Because the um, the room around them fell and everything was falling down. And they yeah. weren't sure if it was due to the magic or whether the sound was unbearably loud. You know what that made me think of? I know this is supposed to be a super serious moment. But <laughs> do you remember the fat lady in Harry Potter? Yes. In the movie version, she's, she's like trying to sing the high note and it yes. won't break. The glass won't break. So she hits it in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, the top of my voice. Like... <laughs> That's where I went in my head. This was supposed to be a serious moment, and that's that's that what happened. So oh goodness. Um, but yeah, Dickory says, "Well, it's all over with now." Anyway, and uh, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. And uh, they both thought it was over, um, but they had never been more mistaken in their lives. Like they had no idea what they just awoke. Yeah. And the freaking chant even said it. Yeah, I mean, you read it. Did. Um, where where did it go? Uh, strike the bell and bide the danger. So, in other words, you can hit this, and guess what? It's going to be dangerous. You're going to bide some danger. And if you don't do it, it's going to drive you crazy. Right. Like that is such a temptation. Oh yeah. So, it's just funny. Like, <laughs> are you they know. given to the temptation? <laughs> And then whenever somebody follows through temptation, they're surprised what happens in the end. Right. Why are you surprised? So. But yeah, this was a good chapter. Um, I enjoyed it. This is an intense chapter. I have some ideas of what's going to happen next. I will tell you with uh, old Clive, uh, don't get uh, (laughs) too stuck on your ideas with him. I know. And there's, there's so much depth to everything. I yeah. mean, you know, it honestly, if we had time, we could pick apart every word, every sentence. And I feel like I, I'm not saying it's biblical text in that, in that regard, but the narrative is built in such a way that every sentence has a meaning yeah. and representation. Well, I think that someone that has a story like this that can go on for books and books has a genius mind because for you to be able to plan something out, I mean, not that he had every little thing planned out, but for him to know things that would affect things in the future, just because I've read, I've not read, I've watched all the movies. So I know Mm -hmm. a lot of about them, but it's just interesting. It's almost like the family member that can tell really good bedtime stories. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that concept deep, but also understandable. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, and it's all connected. You just don't know it yet, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, it's cool. I think the way that he wrote this was really on a genius level. And honestly, we're entering into a story that is hundreds or thousands of years old, right? Because it's not like we saw the creation of this world. Um, this world existed, and they entered into it, right? So what happened before? Like, my mind just thinks about all the, the history, because mm-hmm. I love history. I'm like, man, what happened before all this? What created all this? And like, believe it or not, he's genius enough to explain it. Oh, I can't wait. We go there. Really? We go there. 
and and we we very like the the chronicles of narnia as a whole is very much a not in completion but a picture of genesis the revelation wow i know i'm gonna be like emotional with it too because i i love it it's like the first movie just kicked my butt yeah well and that's the thing that was the first movie but it's not the first book I feel like if they could actually go back and do this right. Oh, it would be so cool. It would be amazing. But it, it would almost take um, like Peter Jackson level directing. Or honestly, you know who could do this really well? <laughs> Shout out once again to old John Favreau and Dave Filoni. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Let's hit them up. <laughs> like, could you imagine if they I, directed I The Chronicles? And they would do it so they well. They would do it so well. They would do it so My well. My mind would be blown. And, you know, I, awesome, awesome work. Um, you know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I, one of the movies that made me fall in love with film scores specifically was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. And Harry Gregson Williams mm-hmm. uh, wrote the music for it. And the guy is just a, a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe it was one of his earlier projects that he did solo. Hmm. Um, so that that was kind of cool. But, uh, you know, just all the small things like whenever um, the fawn is playing the flute, uh, that's actually in real life. That's a Duduk mm-hmm. that they're playing to yeah, make the sound. It's one of your favorites, isn't and it? it's one of my favorites, but that's one of the first times I ever heard it. You know, well, even like not to go further, but you talking about the sweet note of the bell, mm-hmm. like really it comes down to like all the movies have such amazing soundtracks, like to connect you with the story. Yeah. I think it's so important. Yeah, the uh it puts you in that moment. What was it? Prince was it Prince Caspian movie? Uh the song The Journey to the How. Mm-hmm. That that was such a beautiful song. But I don't remember that movie super well, but Yeah, honestly that I watched it a couple of times because it didn't really strike me. Yeah. Um you know, but that's just my opinion. So, uh, that's, that's it for the chapter for this evening. Um, but you know what you did ask? Well, <laughs> we're, we're doing a thing. We're, uh-huh. we're switching it up this week. My uh, yeah. I normally ask Marissa a, uh, random question of the day. You do. Uh, however, um, she has taken the reins on that this evening. So you will see me, uh, flounder. See? You will hear me flounder. <laughs> I will be floundering. It's not okay. Maybe it is a hard question for Uh-oh. you. Is that an intelligence joke? <laughs> no. Wow. So, your question, if you choose to accept it or not, mm. is if you could have any job in the world, real or not, what would it be and why? Real or not? Hmm. Mm. It does it have to be a current like? Well, you said it doesn't have to be real. Mm-mm. Okay. Got it. So I would be a wizard who oh, works, who it. works. Well, I'm not done. <laughs> I'm not done. A wizard who comes from the line of Numenor. Oh, we're going Lord of the Rings here. <laughs> yep. A wizard that comes from the line. He's of the order of Gandalf. That's acceptable. And Yes, of course. And uh, <laughs> he does work at Hogwarts. Um, however, Hogwarts also has a uh, extra location, if you will, um, that is found in Hobbiton, just outside of Hobbiton. But these wizards are different. They do not just practice the art of magic. Okay. But they also have harnessed the power of the force. <laughs> and they are <laughs> they are warriors this up way too far that here. also have lightsabers. So basically I'm an instructor of magic, Numenorian descent, of the line of Gandalf, and I have 
a lightsaber. Important question. Are you gray or white? You'll just have to wait to find out. (laughs) (laughs) We're showing our nerd side. (laughs) I have a coat of many colors. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) You clearly have not read um, Lord of the Rings books. I know I haven't. So, on that note, uh, in the future, that is one of the book series that we are considering going through. Yeah. And, you know, we can actually make polls on some of these podcasts. So, maybe we should make a poll on after we finish Narnia, what what series should we do next? Because this is going to last forever. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. (laughs) It's going to be a while. Um, But, no, for real, we could do something like that. That, Mm -hmm. That would be fun. Um, we get some more time on our hands and we can do two books at once. Yeah. That would be pretty sweet. Um, yeah. So, what would you answer? I mean, you asked me, but what would be your answer? I really haven't thought about it. Um, hmm. Job. That's a hard one. I don't know if I'd want a job. <laughs> that would that would be. <laughs> she would do, do nothing. I have to have she a would job? be a leech on society. <laughs> and I'd be a gardener. <laughs> you know what I want to do? You know, I know what I want to do. Marissa Gamgee. I know what I want to do. What's that? I want to be the female version of. You know what I'm about to say? <laughs> this could go several Indiana different ways. Jones. Yes. 100%. We'll call you Indian Jones. No. <laughs> India. India Maybe. Jones. That's a, that's a woman's name. But that is like epic. I would love that. All right. So <laughs> as she goes off and find all the hidden treasures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're such a treasure. I am. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, humble. ladies and gentlemen, is confidence. Okay. I think that's it. That's it? You good? Yeah. Good. All right, guys. Until next time, uh, have a fantastic uh, day, night, whenever you're listening to May this. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. And do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> For Gondor. <laughs> Gondor calls for aid, and Rohan will answer it. <laughs> All right, guys, peace out. Stay breezy.